something happened to me 21 years ago that burst into my life and interrupted my life forever in a permanent trajectory. There have been times since that encounter with God's Spirit where I've been right the way down in the wooden area running as far and as hard away from God as I could get on the short leash that God was keeping me on. <laughs> it was a short leash he was keeping me on because I prayed big prayers, like purify my heart, let me be as gold and precious silver, <laughs> refine as fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy, <laughs> set apart for you. And every time I'd run in the wrong direction, I'd get sort of choked around my neck, <laughs> like I was being pulled back. often had to do with a, a girl or an attitude or drinking or money. It could be almost anything, really. Sometimes it was just ego, thinking I was better than I was. And then there'd be moments where I'd come sometimes into a deserted church building and I'd find myself just wanting to sing something like, when I feel the touch of your hand upon my heart it causes me to sing a song that I love you, Lord. Or when I look into your holiness, when I gaze into your loveliness, when all things that surround become shadows in the light of day, I worship you, Lord. I can remember lying in a deserted church just singing that song a year or so after having given my life to the Lord, just saying, I just want to worship you, Lord. And I could, I could imagine never having got to that place in my Christian life if I hadn't gone out of my context to another country. And in that other country, not the fact that it was another country, but in the fact of my uselessness in that country, I was brought face to face with my inadequacy and the need that I then had for God. I watched some of you go through that inadequacy on the holiday club when you were serving on team this summer, when you just clocked that you couldn't do it on your own. And you prayed, and suddenly God came and gave you gifts for leadership. But if you're never inadequate in your faith journey, <laughs> there's never the need and room for him. Of course, you can be inadequate in your journey and not realize it. <laughs> and that's an even worse place <laughs> than being inadequate and realizing it. We can walk stumbling, can't we, in the darkness until we fall over flat on our face and and maybe it's only when we're bleeding and dying in the spiritual ditch that some good Samaritan picks us up. Maybe not even a Christian picks us up and takes us to an inn and says, this one needs a bit of dealing with God. <laughs> Please help them today. You ever been in that ditch as a Christian? You thought you were starting out well, but you didn't take any Sabbaths and you just did your homework every day of the week or... You just went down in your spiritual energy and then, boom, crash. And I actually sort of overdosed on those spiritual stumblings in my first year as a, as a Christian <laughs> because my first experience of God had been down in a ditch. And so I sort of got into the habit of getting into a ditch so he could rescue me from it. <laughs> I'd let myself get useless and rubbish, and so I was like, oh, rubbish. And then I'd let him pick me up. Or I'd wait till I was giving an opportunity in the youth group or to preach, and then I'd be like, God, I really need you, I really need you, I really need you for this. 
without realizing that I actually needed him for every breath <laughs> that I take, every move that I make, in the words of Brian Adams or someone like that. <laughs> Some of you don't know who Brian Adams is, do you? <laughs> That's shocking, shocking. Okay, well, go and watch Robin Hood, The Prince of Thieves. So here in this passage, we have the Apostle Peter downloading his genius onto us. And you've got to remember, Peter was not originally genius, was he? If you know anything about the story of Peter, he was the ultimate screw-up disciple. If you felt like a screw-up in that early exercise, you were in company with one of the guys who wrote the Bible, (laughs) Peter, the one who denied Jesus. Not once, but twice, but three times on the night that Jesus was dying, the night that he really needed a hand. The one who just got it over and over again wrong. Jesus even called him the devil at one point. So then get behind me, Satan, when Peter had said something to you. But here in this passage, there's hope for us, for how we go on. And I just want to distill this for a few minutes for us. Uh, Please, please open your Bibles to page 1217 so you can work it out for yourself. Work out, especially if I'm getting it wrong, so that you can feed yourself. We're not here just to have a nice experience tonight. We're here to learn to feed ourselves so that we can grow and be mature. And it begins with the word therefore. Does anyone know what you do when you read therefore in the Bible? Um, You could do. (laughs) Say again? Read the verse before. If you see the word therefore, you ask yourself, what is it there? For, okay? Therefore, what's it there for? What's happened before? Well, last week, Mike was doing tug and war for us, wasn't he? He was saying that we are stretched between resurrection and eternity. Because of Jesus dying and rising to life, because you're going to heaven, then you've got this amazing hope. You don't just live now. In fact, you're not stuck in the now. You live in this massive story. You're not just here in your emotional moment with your ups and downs and your vagaries going up and down like this because you found out that you're ill or because your best friend is dating someone else or because your bank account's taken a nosedive. You don't just live in the moment. You live in this massive span of history from resurrection to eternity. You're not stuck here. You've got a timeless God who meets you in the now, but he meets you with the timelessness. Do you get that? You're not just stuck here like everyone around you at school or work, stuck in the emotions of the moment. You're part of a master plan. (laughs) You're not here. You're in all of this, and you know where you're going, and you know where you've come from, and you know that you've got resurrection power running through your veins. Do you know the Holy Spirit is in you? And if you've got the Holy Spirit in you, guess which Holy Spirit it is? (laughs) Is it just some little bit of Holy Spirit that's been reserved for Ben over there? It's a little smidgen of Holy Spirit for Ben so he can smile that lovely smile while he serves you coffee later on. No, it's the Spirit of Jesus that raised him from the dead. That's what flows through your veins if you're a Christian. Do I get an amen? Hallelujah. That's the Spirit in you guys. If you've got the Holy Spirit at all, you've got that Holy Spirit, not some pathetic little weak thing that can't sort you out. It's the resurrection power of Jesus that will raise you from the dead one day and you're going to be with him forever. If you've got a deposit of the Holy Spirit, like a ring on you. Stephen's going nuts at the back there. Come on, let's preach it. And look, this is it. This is the gospel. This is the Christian gospel. You've got the whole thing. Boom! Therefore, he says, get your minds right for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope on the grace to be given you when Jesus is revealed. Get your minds right. Be self-controlled. 
Get your hope fully on the grace that's going to be given to you when Jesus is revealed. Let's work those bits out. Get your minds right, firstly. Okay, what am I imitating here? Tom, a plane. There are, according to the Freedom in Christ course, millions of little planes flying around waiting to land on your head. (laughs) And each of these planes has got little ideas on it, like this. I'm ugly. She's better than I am. I need more money. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going out to eat worms. These little planes are flying around all the time. It doesn't really matter if you do that, does it? No one will notice. No one will care. And they're flying around your head all the time. And your head is a runway. And you're the airport traffic controller. And you get to tell these thoughts whether they get to land on your runway. Do you ever bother, or do you just let them land? I feel rubbish, I'm ugly, I'm terrible, I'm useless. God doesn't like me either. Or do you say, get lost! You're not allowed to land in my head. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to... I am a... I'm no longer a slave to... I am a... We've learned something tonight. So it's buzzing around and it's saying, be scared. No, I'm not a slave to fear. I'm a child of God, yeah? You're the airport traffic controller, so get your mind right. Don't let that rubbish thought land. It doesn't need to land there. Be self-controlled. No one else gets to control you. Your best friend doesn't get to control you. Your wife doesn't get to control you. Your partner doesn't get to control you. You have to control yourself under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So sort it out. Get your minds right. You're self-controlled. And the way you do it is by getting your hope fully on the grace that will be given when Jesus Christ is revealed. When Jesus comes riding on the clouds and lands there, every eye is going to see him and bow down before him. I hope that happens in our lifetime. It will be amazing to see. I've no idea how every eye and a sphere will be able to see him. I hope it's not just on Sky News. But anyway, every eye is going to be able to see him all at once. And when we all see him, there's just going to be this amazing grace reveal. We all go, <laughs> we got it right. <laughs> Except you won't be proud. Because you'll realize that you only got it right because he gave you the grace to get it right in the first place. And you'll just fall on your knees, as will everyone else, and go, you're worthy of praise. Man, oh, that everyone that we know will do that in their lifetimes and not leave it to eternity when it's too late, when they're going to face judgment. And they will bow down before him, but not as sons, but as those trapped in fear and gripped in fear before him because they won't know what's hit them. They won't have a clue what's going on. Oh, that everyone will bow the knee before him as his sons and daughters, his heirs. So the grace is going to be revealed to us and we're fixed on it and it's a wonderful day. Can you imagine the thousands of people around gathering before the throne and worshipping him? It's going to be amazing. It is for that reason, according to the book of Hebrews, for that reason, that picture, that image, those millions and thousands of people from every race, nationality and tongue bowing down in worship, who are all fulfilled completely, who are all made holy completely, who are all worshipping God completely, for that picture, that reason that Jesus was able to do something, according to the book of Hebrews. What was he able to do? For the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. That picture of eternity is good enough to go to the cross for. Certainly good enough to get you out of getting pissed on a Friday night. It's worth everything. 
The joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. Remember what the cross was. So as obedient children, don't conform to the evil desires that you lived when you lived in ignorance. The word evil is unhelpful in this translation, according to people more expert than me, because it just means desires that you've overindulged in. Might be a good desire. Might be that lovely desire for a relationship you've got. Might be looking after your kids. It might be making yourself secure and providing for people around you. It's just if you've made that into my precious, my precious, then it becomes an overindulged desire. I'll only be complete when I've met him or her or them. Or when I've got this much salary. And my youngest son's in nursing home. (laughs) That's an overindulged desire. Because holiness is giving it all to God. And not grasping onto it like a monkey with his hand in the jar, as I was saying last week. But giving it all to him. And saying, I'll be set apart for you, Lord. For you. So be holy as he who called you is holy. Is the, is the command. Be set apart. Because you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially. Live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times, our times, for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. The only reason you can believe in God is through Jesus, what he's done for you. So now that you've purified yourself by obeying the truth, you have sincere love for your brothers. We're going to come on to that next week. But this is the thing. So often, I think, we have just this crummy view of Christianity. And it's not Christianity. It's like a cursed version of Judaism or something. And the cursed religion sort of says, if I can be good or try harder or do things, um, then I don't even know what. Something, but I ought to be. (laughs) And like that Greek myth character, we try and push a boulder up a hill, but it's always rolling down on us and squashing us. (laughs) You know, if only I was as holy holy as Levi, (laughs) then I'd be all right. So he's like smiling at that one, just like not convinced at all. But pushing it up. What we don't realize is that God's come and taken his size 10 divine feet and kicked that boulder over the top of the hill already in the death of Jesus. The boulder's over the top of the hill. You can walk up pretending you're pushing it. If you do this in a mime class, you can even make it feel like it's heavy to yourself. But you're not pushing anything real anymore. Because the law's gone. You can put yourself under your own law if you want to. But Christianity says he's already got you to the top. You're already saved. You're already safe. Now all you've got to do is learn to live what you are. How set apart for God are you? Where did you stand in the room?
Well, there's two ways of answering it. One is the way that we all did. <laughs> and that reveals some interesting things about our journey. But the other is the one that we're going to do now. So I'd love you to all stand up again, please. And um, please, if you don't yet know Jesus, um, just feel free to join in with us so that you feel part of the crowd. <laughs> but if you know in your heart that you've never actually said, please let me be set apart for you, <laughs> even if you've been a really good Christian girl or boy for your long life, because you've done it for 60 years, but if you've never said, God, please, I want to be holy as you're holy. <laughs> I want to be obedient to you. I want you to be Lord, not just my friend, not just my saviour, but Lord, holy. And then please sort that out before the end of the evening, because really, you're screwing your life up without it. <laughs> the best way of getting a blessing is to put yourself right with God. But if you have, and for sake of just unity, let's all do it tonight. Come and stand on the stage up here, anywhere on the stage. This is the Christian gospel. <laughs> this is why it's such good news. Just get onto this stage. You don't have to be slow. You don't even have to be quiet about it. Um, get right up here. And this is what it feels like to be a Christian. This is what Christianity is. It's the top of the hill. Not because you deserve it, but because of this thing behind me. Because of the cross. He shed his blood for you to make you a child. So now you obey him, not because you're trying to keep the rules or your mum said so or the youth leader said so or, or your small group leader said so, but because he's made you his kid. <laughs> and you just want to look in his eyes and go, <laughs> you're amazing, I want to be like you. <laughs> you know, you're the king of the swingers. You're the VIP, I want to walk like you, I want to talk like you. This is it, you're in the family. There's nowhere else to go. This is your identity. You live up here. Your holy ones. Collectively, we're the saints, the holy ones. That's Christianity. Anything else is rubbish. And because you live here, guess how you're going to act on Monday morning, Tuesday evening, Friday night, Saturday? What are you going to do if you, if you know you live here? You're going to live to please your daddy, aren't you? Even when the people around you don't get it. Even when your mum's pressurising you, saying, but I just study seven days a week. You're going to say, actually, no, the Bible says I should study six days a week. <laughs> and have a rest. Really important A-level season. Really important. Test God on it. There's promises invested in the Sabbath. If you work seven days a week, don't ask him to bless it. <laughs> Probably enough from me tonight. This is where you are, Christians. Here. Okay, here. You got it? Yeah. You're not there. You're here. So live this out. It's a wonderful place to be. And if you haven't made him Lord yet, during the next worship set, please, please, make him the boss of your life. Say, God, please, I want to be set apart for you. And see what he does with it. This is eternity. That's pretty awesome. Come and join in.